all the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 217. This is your special Christmas and holiday, and Hanukkah's over, I think, right about now. Mm-hmm. is over yet. Yeah, just finished. So, uh, all the holidays, we're celebrating them by not really doing anything special. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Hey, this is Ricky Purden, the talent relations manager here at Marvel. And... Hi, Tucker Marcus, uh, digital media intern. Yeah. So uh, Ben Morse is vacaying. Where's, va- he, va- vacaying. where's, he, where's he vacaying at? Uh, probably Boston with his family. Yeah. Uh, taking some time off uh, for the holidays, but he'll be back next week when I am in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, wrestling uh, Crocagators and Aladiles. And it's going to be fun. The Red Stick. Yeah, the Red Stick. Nice. I don't know what that is. What's the Red Stick? Baton Rouge. Is that what oh. they call it? Oh, right. That makes, that makes sense. sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Some Daredevil I stuff. I didn't learn your special fancy language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're going to try and record it all together next week. We'll see how that goes. Uh, this is Tucker's last week wow. here. That's right. We Two just days met. left. We just met. I know. It's, it's weird. It's sad. Very Super sad. sad. Yeah. Um... I think uh, it's going to be a good time. Maybe we'll see an appearance from uh, Italian Tucker before the end of the show. Italian Tucker? Who knows? Yeah. He, Who you knows? Know what? He likes to show up and cause chaos right at the end. <laughs> there's a, he has a, um, there's kind of like a call to the wind yeah. that he just kind of hears it flutters in the distance and he is summoned yep. to the Marvel office. He's, he's like Michael Bublé on December 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bublé just wakes up somewhere. Uh, Ricky, for the, you've been on the show once or twice before, but for those who don't know you, what's your deal? What do you do here? Yeah, I was on before. I had my I had my phone on, and so the whole thing was all staticky. Yeah. So I, I left my phone. I threw my phone away this yep. morning. In preparation, um, I'm a talent uh, relations manager. I am a talent scout uh, for Marvel, for new artists, uh, pencilers, inkers, colorists, painters, cover artists. Um, so travel to shows, schools. I look at uh, samples online. Um, so I'm the guy here who helps editorial cast their books and the looks of their books uh, when they need it. So pretty cool. Yeah, fun job. It's, and you just went to Brazil. It's fun. Yeah, Brazil was really nice. Brazil. So it just started getting cold in New York. But in Brazil, it was it was 158 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> and 105 uh, percent humidity. Uh, right, right. So um, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for how warm it was. But yeah, there was a lot of great talent, a lot of like really excited Marvel fans in Brazil. Um, literally couldn't get enough of what we had coming out. They get books about six months um, late, uh, just the translation process and everything. So they're super pumped right now for Secret Wars launching <laughs> and that, that was great and I was like oh yeah it's shipping on time everything's fine it's yeah, coming yeah. out it's going to be great <laughs> it's only great it's going to be great um, but we have a, great, a lot of great talent down there like Mike Diodato and um, Danilo Bayruth is a guy we started working with recently a bunch of colors um, RB Silva who works on Max Ride right now so yeah it was fun um, I don't I don't know the next show I'm going to go to um, probably early next year I feel like the con season starts earlier and earlier it's so like, it does feel like that is it January is it February I don't, but well, I don't know what 
for us the first show. Yeah, is. for us. I'm not sure what it would be. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm looking forward to it. I like yeah. traveling, so it'll be fun. Awesome. Uh, before we get into the new books and before we get to all the fun things of this show, which is going to be all the new issues and trades and digital stuff, we're going to get to a little bit of news and talk about our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club pick of Star Wars Infinities. Before we get to all that news for us, uh, we have a, an email address that I had been thinking about doing for about five months and finally last week <laughs> exactly. I took like two minutes because that's all it took to put together the, the request for a new email address <laughs> uh, well actually it wasn't last week it was like three weeks ago last week IT finally got it locked in and we're good to go so that email address is twimpodcast at marvel.com t-w-i-m-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at marvel.com um Please, 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 if you're going to email us, do not send ideas or submissions. We cannot accept those. Your emails will be sent to, uh, like, a hell that has fiery (laughs) demon creatures. Email hell. It'll be an email hell, and we'll never read it. Uh, But if you do have stuff that you either want to say privately to us or is a little bit longer than a regular tweet, you know, send it. And if it's something that you're okay with us uh, reading on the show, um, just mark it okay to read, I guess? Okay, what do they put in the, the letters column, Ricky? Like, uh, okay to print? Okay to print? Okay to read. This one's okay to read. Uh, okay to, okay to, <laughs> pot, okay to pod. Yeah. <laughs> I guess okay to print. Put okay to print okay on to print. it. And that, that seems like it'll be the best thing. Yeah. Um, not saying that we'll be able to get to them, especially if we have long ones, but I thought an email address was a good thing for us to have for the show. Feedback. Yeah. We like feedback. We get a lot of it already, but this is uh, another avenue. So... Lots of comics this week. Let's dive right into them. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of me talking for the next 45 minutes or so, so <laughs> brace your butts. Uh, first up is Amazing Spider-Man number five. This is written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage, art by Giuseppe Camoncoli, uh, inks by Cam Smith, and colors by Marte Gracia. And this you know, last issue, we had Pete given up on, uh, on S.H.I.E.L.D. to go save his aunt. And some of the repercussions in here, but really some of the um, him and S.H.I.E.L.D., pivoting off of basically they're two steps behind the Zodiac. Zodiac is like, hey we're going to zig, you're going to zag and we're going to be right in front of you doing all kinds of stuff because we're smarter and we have these two twins part of the Zodiac who can kind of see the future-ish, maybe? Uh, But you have uh, lots of mystery going on and one of the things, they go to London in here so, hello all our London listeners, hope you like all the scenery up in ya. I think I will good lady! <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> that was terrific. Uh, uh, there's this great shot of London where it's like Spidey swinging, Human Torch flying and uh, Coulson Fury and I think it's May uh, flying shield flying cars in London and you've got the the O? What is that thing? The, the big O? The big O. Is that a thing? The I. The I. The London I. London I. Thank you. Uh, big Ben, the Thames, uh, all that stuff. Uh, it's a pretty neat shot. Kamikoli, as we, you know, is just so friggin' good. Um, it feels like he's been doing comics for forever, but I think it's because he does so many. Yeah, he's he so fast. He, he does layouts for some books, mm-hmm. and, and then someone else will come in and do it with finishes. So he can do that in like a week, and then you can also pencil something else. 
He's also got a school in Italy where he lives. Mm. So he's got a, a whole like th- like four or five uh, graduating classes deep now of people coming wow. through her learning his storytelling and his uh, background techniques and even his character designs. Um, like the designs for the Zodiac are really fun in this. Uh, love them. Um, so yeah, he's been he's been he's been teaching a lot of people. He's busy, that guy. Totally. So it's Spidey and Shield versus the Zodiac for. Uh, uh, like a special artifact that's hidden in a museum. There's a big throwdown. Uh, but like we said, Zodiac is a little bit ahead of everything going on here with Spidey and S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, well, that's all going on. There's what seems to be, at least to Spidey and Peter Parker, a uh, traitor in their midst. And we'll see how that plans, uh, how that all pans out. Uh, a big revelation right by the end of a, uh, just more trouble ahead for Peter Parker. Like, he's got all this great stuff going, but, you know... It ain't going to last. It ain't going to last. All right, up next we've got Angela, Queen of Hell, issue three, uh, written by Marguerite Bennett. Uh, Main story art uh, by Kim Jacinto and Israel Silva. Uh, Sub-story art by Stephanie Hans. And um, so in this, you've got Angela taking her steps to, uh, as the book tells us, become the queen of hell. I guess that's kind of a, like, you know she's going to be it, right? Because yeah. that's the title of the, the book. That would be that would be awful if, like, by issue 50, she's still not queen of hell. <laughs> yeah. And people are still buying it, waiting. Yeah. Uh, but in it, we've got Sarah, who is her uh, lover, partner, troublemaker, rabble-rouser friend, uh, who's here in hell. And we got introduced to, um, uh, what's her butt? Uh, Leia, Leia, who is uh, like the consort. Uh, consort is that the right thing? Mm-hmm. The right hand of, or left hand? I can't remember which hand of uh, Hela, whose hand was cut off and created Leia. Who Leia was a huge character in uh, Journey into Mystery, right, and right. Um, you know lots of stuff that Kieran Gillen put together. It's uh, I love this book because it, it's like breaking the fourth wall. Every which way yeah. it can. Gillen is even referenced in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really fun thing, but it's it's a chance to see Angela just bust some heads and do some really cool stuff. Uh, the sub story has uh, a lot of info on again those early years for Angela and Sarah and how they got to be kind of who they are, not necessarily where they are, uh, but it really sets up like the mythology a ton, a ton in here. Uh, and you see uh, like an angel who is from that 10th realm. Uh, and some of the Asgardian powers who are also in hell are starting to rally. And for what purpose, uh, I think will become clear by the end of the issue, but you know, we'll see how that how that goes. It's cool art by by, uh, by Kim Jacinto, too. It, yeah. it looks a little bit like, like um, Koipel. or even Koifam. Koifam, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, I noticed that. Uh, we've got Astonishing Ant-Man number three, and this is a big old team-up issue with Sam Wilson, Captain America, uh, written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon, Ramon Rosanas, <laughs> because I am Latino, uh-huh. Ricky, I can say it like that, yeah. uh, Jordan Boyd on colors, and uh, I like it because, I mean, in real time, at least here, Scott is in jail. He uh, mm-hmm. He's in jail. We don't know the full story yet, so it's a lot of flashing back to how he got there and those what the eight-month um, sort of gap between the end of Secret Wars and where we are now, right. what that all entails. So he has to team up with Captain America and, of course, uh, Scott's um, minions uh, or 
his employees yeah. aren't really super happy because they're former villains and they don't really care for Captain America too much. Um, but it's cool. There's just a lot of back and forth. I like a lot of the the like the characters that show up here. Um, there's you know a monster character that becomes a part of this story. Uh, uh, just Giganto. Uh, just like <laughs> I don't. I feel like that's probably a Kirby monster. Yeah. But you know, even if it's not, it fits. Um, you've got the slug dude. Ugh. He's so gross. Uh, of course, Machine Smith. The power broker who's working out to deal with the slug, but you've got hench and you've got lackey and like all this stuff. Crossfire, crossfire, kangaroo. Yeah, uh, I love this. Like Nick's doing a really great job making this like quirky and funny in all those right ways, and it fits in. If like if you really dug the movie, I think this is sort of perfect. Yeah. to go into the comics. Uh, but yeah, poor kangaroo, such a doof. Um, but yeah, power broker, not too happy. Slug, super. Just gross and like weird criminal. Yeah. Uh, by the end, we get to see the return of a character who, uh, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a long time, was a part of a great book that we loved. Um, and uh, we'll see more from that upcoming. Uh, we've got Captain America Sam Wilson number four, also written by Nick Spencer, uh, art by Paul Renaud, colors by Romulo Fajardo. Did I say that okay ish? Romulo Fajardo. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you've got this new crew. The Serpent Society is now the Serpent Solutions, which is super cool. Uh, they're sort of they're going corporate. Flipping the script. Flipping the script. Uh, they've got a new head, of, or not a, not necessarily a new head, but the head of Serpent Solutions is has been killed and is back and is sort of like tweaked. I, was he one of the ones that was killed by and brought back in that Punisher story? Mm, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, so it's it's super cool and they're really, like, they're menacing and gross. Uh, also, Cap Wolf. I love Cap Wolf so much. Yep. Like, one of the first comics I read was the Cap Wolf storyline yeah. back in the 90s and I, I, I'm pretty sure I broke my friend Luke's copy and had to get him a new one and that was back when you I just was getting comics at, like, Walden Books in the yeah. mall. So I, I had to track down this issue of Capital for him. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Luke. Yeah. Stupid jerk. <laughs> um, in this, though, you've got, like, Cap has to deal with uh, some crazy stuff with genetic manipulation and Red Wing. He's a wolf! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cap Wolf is also, like, full wolf, oh, I love wolf it. man. Uh, Red Wing is all messed up. He's, like, like merged with this dude. Um, we got the appearance of two awesome uh, women in this book. One, Claire Temple making her Marvel Comics debut, right. which is awesome. Uh, so you'd know her from Marvel's Daredevil or Marvel's Jessica Jones or Marvel's Luke Cage, uh, all on Netflix. Uh, uh. <laughs> played by played by Rosario yeah. Dawson. Yeah, she's yeah. a huge comic fan too. Yeah, she is crazy comic fan. So uh, when this comes out on Wednesday, I want to tweet her a picture uh, because I. She, oh, she may knows not yet. even know. Yeah, she may not know. Yeah, which is super No one cool. tell her. Let yeah. Ryan tell her. This is going to be in the past. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in many ways. Anyway, so super cool her, but also Diamondback, who has this crazy history with Steve Rogers. They were in the Bone Zone a ton of times. Uh-huh. Um, they... <laughs> You like that, Ricky? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're in the bone zone. They've been friends. They've been enemies. Uh, all this is going on. Uh, but Sam Wilson is causing a bunch of ruckus for the Serpent Solutions, so he goes head-to-head with them. And then some crazy twists and turns. Uh, it's really, really fun. One thing I was like, 
blew me away was at the end, the last page has this big yeah. shot of the whole Serpent Solutions crew, um, which is like 20 criminal, like 20 super-powered creature villain people, right. uh, which is awesome. Like, that's a formidable crew, and you don't... Like, they can do so many things, and they have such cool designs, like... This guy who's got the big fin on his head. Yeah. Uh, and this lady whose arms get super big. I just like the idea that uh, Nick Spencer, when he was launching this book with, with Tom Brevoort, was like, I want to make him Capwolf first. <laughs> I promise it'll be good. And, like, it's good. <laughs> it's really good. Way to go, man. Totally. And he's, like, been Capwolf for a couple issues now. A couple now. issues now. Yeah. All right. What we got next? We got Daredevil number two. This is written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney, colors by Matt Mia. Milla or Matt Mia? I say Milla. Milla. Yeah. Two L's, though. It's tough. You never yeah, know. you never know. You don't. You don't. Uh, but it, there's this cool split storytelling thing that Charles and, and Ron and everybody do in this where you've got uh, Ten Fingers, who's this... Creepy, gross villain who actually has twenty fingers. He literally has twenty fingers. I'm going to say that, but ten fingers on each hand. Yeah, and it's super creepy. And he's got some other power business going on. He's sort of like laying down some business. At the same time, you've got Matt Murdock laying down like his speechifying of being uh, a good DA, being a good lawyer, trying to put ten fingers away. Uh, so there's this really cool back and forth that you get in the first couple pages. Uh, and Matt is trying to. Uh, Put someone on the witness stand to testify and put Ten Fingers away. But, unbeknownst to him, uh, Ten Fingers' crew is going after this dude. So what we get in here is, you know, a reversal of ways. Uh, we get to see more of Ten Fingers' crew and sort of relationships and some of the things. And um, there's a lot going on here. Uh for for Daredevil, for Ten Fingers, for like this criminal underground, I think is sort of building really nicely. Uh, but while that's going on, you've also got um, uh, Daredevil, who's teaching his, you know, his. I don't know. Do we call him a sidekick? We wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Like he's, he's more like a train. I don't know. I'll say sidekick. Yeah, little buddy. His protege. Pro oh, that's a good way. His Padawan. His Padawan. Yeah, uh, Samuel Chung, who is Blind Spot, who's this cool. He's like. I don't think he... Does he have superpowers? I think it's just that he has this cool suit that it's turns him invisible. Yeah. And he's... He kicks a lot of ass. Yeah. He's, like, pretty awesome fighter. With only ten fingers total. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you even live with only ten fingers? Yeah. You must be some sort of weak mutant person. Yeah. Uh, all that's going on, so we get to see, like, this cool training sequence and them going back and forth. Daredevil and Blindspot <clears throat> trying to just figure out, like... They're, they're dancing around each other a little bit because they still don't know each other super well. Right. Uh, so it's cool. And uh, we're, you know, obviously Daredevil is Matt Murdock, so he's got all this in his head. Uh, he's seeing things from different angles. But Blindspot is just like, hey, I know this lawyer dude. You're this other dude. Like, it doesn't, there's, you don't understand everything that's going on. So it's pretty cool. But by the end, when Daredevil finally makes his move or makes a move on Ten Fingers, uh, there's a great sequence there, and there's something I should have thought about, like a connection yeah. right at the end that I should have that should have clicked with me yeah. right away. Yeah. But it didn't. But and I'm the, happy I, I saw it. The art is beautiful in this book. Oh, my God. Uh, Matt Miller's color palette uh, teamed up with Ron Garney's like, simpler line style. It's very moody without being kind of heavy-handed. Um, and everything seems to be moving. Every every panel of things, even when someone's just a talking head, it, it feels like there's motion in it. So yeah. it's got a lot of personality. Totally. Uh, all right, what do we got next? All right, up next we have uh, Darth Vader 14. 
um, which is in the middle of the blockbuster awesome crossover event, Vader Down mm. Part 4. And uh, we find ourselves on the planet Vrogus Voss, where uh, the titular Darth Vader has <laughs> tracked down our heroes, uh, including Luke Skywalker. And uh, we pick up the action, and we're kind of following 3PO and Han and Chewie and Luke and uh, we kind of jump scenes. We jump to another part of the planet where we find that Vader has found Leia. And there's kind of a face-to-face showdown. It's really, really cool. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Dr. Afra and Triple Zero and BT-1 uh, are kind of also hunting for uh, Luke in the same way that Vader is. Uh, and she, uh, Afra sends triple uh, zero ad to find him. I will say this: that um, uh, which one is BT? Which one is triple zero? Triple uh, zero is the well. BT is the astromech. Okay. Yeah. Um, so triple uh, zero is one resilient droid. Yeah. <laughs> Arms ripped off. Yeah. Uh, Arms hole off, right gone. through the middle of him. Yeah. But he's up and he's he's just still as mean spirited and violent <laughs> and dangerous as ever. They I mean, they really are the best. And we get a return of a character in this issue. Yeah. That's right. Um I mean it's I mean it, we we knew he was coming, yeah. but like there's this great scene of Black Kersantan. I think that's how you say his name. I don't say yeah. it. Kersantan, uh who's this giant Scary Wookiee yeah. show up. It's awesome. So great. Uh, yeah, he kind of he kind of punches a hole in the Falcon <laughs> um, and gets into this awesome fight with uh, with Chewie and Han. Uh, meanwhile, Leia has managed to kind of run away from Vader, and she calls in an airstrike, essentially on herself, to uh, take down Vader with her, um, which is really cool. We get some really cool emotional uh, moments between uh, her on the comm link with uh, Han and Luke. We're in the Falcon now. Uh, and right as uh, we have uh, our airstrike coming in, a, a fleet of Y-Wings about to drop bombs. Uh, in a very interesting turn of events, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a TIE fighter attack, which ends, which is interesting because it kind of foils the, re- the rebels, but at the same time saves Leia's life. Um, and right at the end, we get a very interesting, uh, very interesting character popping up uh, moving forward. And I forgot to mention, as this is my first time with a little review, uh, this is written by Kieran Gillen, uh, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Edgar Delgado. Um, and it's just awesome. Vader Down continues. Vader Down is so good. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, how many issues a year does Salva do? Like 25, 38. It's like, legitimately, it's like 24, plus all the covers that he does. Oh He's a person I don't understand how he makes art, because, I mean, Edgar Del- Delgado adds a lot to this book, but, like, the, 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 the spotted blacks and the shadows and the textures and the fabric and everything that Salvador adds, it's, it's, in, it's insane. And, and he doesn't skimp on backgrounds. I mean, this, this, this takes place kind of in a desert area that's kind of misty, but, like, you know, when it comes to, like, drawing a ship or drawing the inside of a ship or drawing yeah. someone's costumes or the texture in their hair. Like, he doesn't skimp. So it's not like he's just kind of cutting corners. It's insane. I mean, look at this shot here of the Falcon. Yeah. And, like, you get, like, detailed shots of the Falcon three times over two pages. That takes 
so that's got to take so much time. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much design he he's done on the characters in this too, but they're not all always wearing the same clothes from the from the yeah. movie either. So yeah, it's great stuff. So good. All right, we've got Deadpool number four, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Terry Pallet, and colors by Guru Effects. Also, uh, in the little Deadpool art on the intro and the recap page, we get to see, uh, I don't know, Kitty Pool? Kitty Pool. I, I need to know more about that, because I love Kitty Pool. Uh-huh. Uh, straight up first appearance uh, in a while, I think, of Night Nurse. She's up in here, yeah. which is cool to see, and she's taking care of uh, Agent Adsit. Um, so it's it's pretty neat that, uh, you know, we, we have Night Nurse, but we also have Claire Temple and these... You know, I think a lot of people at the beginning thought that Claire was just going to be Night Nurse, but I think they can both exist, have very different personalities, and yeah. be totally awesome in their own right. Uh, all that's going on, we get to see a little bit further into uh, Shikla, like, getting super pissed, and she's riding a, like, demonic horse that's on fire, which is always awesome. Uh, we get new outfits for the uh, Mercs for Money, I think they're called. Uh I love I love slapstick so much, just like I love Cap Wolf. Yeah. Um, I ugh, like I want to get a slapstick tattoo on my stomach. You should. Like, I'll just go with you. Real big in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so the Mercs all get new costumes, um, and it's it's pretty terrific. You know, you've got slapstick, but you you know you've also got uh, Solo, and you've got Stingray and Terror, Terror Inc. Terror Inc. Man. Yeah. So good. Uh, and I like that Mike Hawthorne like. He has them all laid out standing next to each other, and they're all in these different goofy, awesome costumes, but they're all, they all have, like, different heights and different builds, and they they don't look uniform, which yeah. is, it's a simple little thing, but it's pretty terrific. Mike's one of my favorite artists working in comics, period, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been working on Deadpool for a long time. I, I want to say someone said online that he's close to being the artist who has drawn the most issues of Deadpool. Really? Which is nuts, but... Um, Mike puts a lot of effort in his in his characters' postures, and uh, he does this thing called three point perspective that a lot of guys don't do, um, that people take for granted, that are really dynamic uh, layout shots of an environment. Keeps his environments uh, clean and easy to follow, which which adds to the dynamism in his in his art um, more than you would expect. So it's just a small secret that he does. It's, he's really talented. Yeah. Um... Well said. Uh, we get to see who's been doing some really bad things in Deadpool's name. Now, Deadpool's been a bad dude, but he's really trying to be good right now. And someone is just killing people, and they beat the crap out of Adsit and all other kinds of stuff. Deadpool really gets to the source of it in this issue. Uh, we also get a great appearance by Bob, agent of Hydra, uh, who is just a beaten to a pulp, gross massive face inside yeah. a Hydra mask. Uh, we get Steve Rogers side by side with Deadpool, which I love that friendship so much. Like yeah. it's been Jerry's been building that for a while and it's pretty terrific. Um, especially when Deadpool is driving them around in one of the Fantastic cars. Yeah. The one that looks most like a uh, bathtub. Right. And Steve is very unclear as to how Deadpool has one of those. Um, but this is all coming to a head as Deadpool will have to battle uh, the dude who is doing nefarious deeds in his name. And it was pretty, it seems pretty clear, but it's also still super gross and yeah. messed up. Yeah, which yeah, I love. yeah. And, and, and he's, Jerry's been 
building to that for a long time, like yeah. you said. All that, yeah. all the different stuff with these these characters. Um, so there's some kind of, like fun reveals for people who've been reading it this whole time. Yeah, yeah. But if you have been reading it, it calls back to a bunch of things exactly. from the last series, and yeah. it's just great. Yeah. All right, we've got extraordinary X Men number four, um, and this one is written by Jeff Lemire, art by Umberto Ramos, Victor Olazaba, and Edgar Delgado. Uh, it opens up with like uh, Colossus having this terrible nightmare uh, about his sister, about sort of the effects of the Terrigen Mist Cloud, and that's that's a big thing for all mutants right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get boom right into Mister Sinister's uh, evil laboratory lair, which is just awesome. He's got his new like his new Marauders. I don't know. There's one dude who has got these big old bullhorns. I don't know his deal, but I like him. Terry. Terry, yeah. cool. Uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not his it's name. It's not his name. I think his name is Ares. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's the purple elephant man guy mm-hmm. uh, who uh, Terry calls Dumbo, uh, <laughs> which gross. So basically, Sinister is capturing mutants and experimenting on them in hopes of creating an inhuman mutant hybrid creature thing that could elevate uh, Homo Superior to their next level because... They are not in a good place. They're dying. They're sick. Uh, and Sinister, in his own twisted way, is trying to save mutant kind. Right. But really, he's just he's just having a good old time. Being sinister. Yeah, being super sinister. Uh, while that's going on, we get back to the core of this extraordinary X-Men team who is in limbo. Their headquarters is in limbo, and they are fighting a horde of demons uh, you know, now Old Man Logan is part of the crew. Uh, I love this um, the Sentinel here, who the Cerebra, who is got really. It's like a super cool character. Uh, there's a good personality, even though it's just a robot. And I like that Logan is not having any of it. Yeah. Uh, then finally, the the fight goes uh, down to Sinister's uh, lab of doom and gloom. Uh, there's definitely stabbing. Wolverine gets to pop the claws and go a little berserker yeah. on stuff. Yeah, super cool. Um, and we get to see a big revelation right at that last page. I don't know what the story is with that, but could turn out to be great. Could turn out to be horrible for the mutants. We shall see. I'm pumped that old man Wol- old man Logan is here. Yeah, like I didn't think I would miss Wolverine when he died. Yeah, but I completely miss him. Yeah, so right? I, ha- I don't know. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I don't know. It, so it's rad to have this guy around, but I kind of feel like Jeff Lemire is leading us to like sadness and sadness. heartbreak. Yeah. Oh yeah, at some 100%. point something sad is going to happen with that old man. I'm going to feel bad. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. All right, we're on to Figment number two, one of our Disney Kingdoms books. Uh, this is uh, yeah, Figment, Figment two number four, written by Jim Zub, art by Ramon Box and Jean Francois Bellu. Uh, you like that? That was perfect, right? Yeah. You know, I'm pretty good. Um, and we've got, you know, uh, Capricious Harmony, Capri, who is uh, Dreamfinder's, like, great-great-great-great-great-great-grandniece. Right. Right? Three greats, grandniece. Uh, and she's got her own um, figment of her own magi- imagination called Spark, which is like this cat. Uh, and they need to go help Dreamfinder because he's been infected, infected by doubt and sadness and gloom. So this is a cool little trip for uh, Capri, Spark, and Figment to save the day. Uh, They have to battle uh, their own fears, their own doubts, their own problems, and Dreamfinders, and they do a pretty 
bang up job of it, if I do say so myself. Uh, by the end, we get to see, you know, hugs mostly, uh, but this is not the last issue. No. I was going to say hugs mostly, mostly, but then you get to this, yeah. and like that, bleh, creature, creature. But I, I like I like Ramon Bach's art on this a lot. This is, He's got the kind of art that I think when I was a kid I would try to, like, trace like images from yeah. so this is a great but it's also a mature look to it too um, yeah. he's, he does a good job of marrying those two worlds so yeah everybody get married um, <laughs> up next we've got guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Marvel's Thor uh, so this is uh, one of our handbooks covers the first Thor film uh, connecting a lot of stuff that happens in the movie uh, what you might have seen in the comics wait was he shirtless was Thor shirtless there uh, there's definitely a shirtless Thor in on here page somewhere. like 20 21. Oh, wait, hold on. Yep, Shirtless yeah, Thor. there it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, we got Shirtless Thor, Destroyer. It's just tons of cool info. Uh, if you like the handbooks, you're going to want that. And cool covers, too. Yes. Yeah, new covers, right? Yeah, co- new covers on the front and the back. Yeah, so this is a Will Sliney cover. Will Sliney uh, in the, the front, front, and the back is... Andy past- Troy. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's really, really cool stuff. Uh, Marvel's Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Spider-Verse... Uh, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors Spider-Verse number two. That's a thing. Uh, so this is part two of the Spider-Verse written by Paul Dini uh, and adapted by Joe Caramagna. So you got uh, Spider-Man Noir up in here and you've got you know all kinds of crazy creatures. You've got uh, uh, Spider-Ham mm. which is like super wacky cartoony. It kind of looks Tiny Toons-ish yeah. which you know I'm totally into. Super fun. Uh, it's, it's really quirky. I love these books. All right. We got Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number two. Uh, highly anticipated. Many, many people love the first issue, ourselves included. This is written by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader. Art by Natasha Bustos and Tamara Bonvillain. You like that? <laughs> I always, I always, it's, it's almost spelled like Bond villain. Oh, yeah. A Bond villain? That's a good way to remember that. Yeah, Bonvillain. She's very nice. Um, yes. I, I've never met her. I don't know why I said yes. Uh, Lunella Lafayette is our main character here, and I love it because she is she's like she's not phased by any of this nonsense. So she's got Devil Dinosaur who's carrying her around uh, by her like the nape of her. It seems like by the nape, but like by her jacket. Right. Uh, you've got like uh, these monkey people creatures who've come in through a portal. She's got this Cree orb of pizza making or whatever it is uh, and she's doing all this stuff and she's just like oh this is such a hassle I just want to like be the perfect like science person right um, and she finds a way to actually lure devil dinosaur where she needs him to go uh, until it gets messed up and there's this great sequence where uh, devil just throwing a tantrum he's yeah. pissed off because it's this little like toy goes away uh, I just it's a really fun sequence and I it gives a lot of person this issue in particular gives a lot of personality to Devil Dinosaur. Yeah. Um which, you know, you would know if you know the character, but like I think it's introducing a giant red dinosaur to a whole new generation mm-hmm. and it does a great job. And it's not as simple as like, oh it's a big puppy. Right. Like he's got a different personality than that too. It's yeah. fun. Uh, and Lunella is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. She is, she's got so much going on, uh, and she's trying to deal with life and all that kind of stuff. I would, I really hope this could turn into something, you know, like a TV show, Ugh. a cartoon, yes. a, a movie, sticker film, set, a sticker set, like color forms, candy. Yeah. 
uh, devil dinosaur candy gummies. Yep, uh, but it's great. And also the the creek like the I can't remember. Ben would remember what they're called. The moon creatures. The monkey monkey guys. Yeah, the killer folk is what they're called. They're cavemen. They uh, quickly adapt to life in uh, modern age, and it's really funny. It's funny yeah. uh, what all that entails. Yeah, the book's got pathos and humor and action and suspense. It ends on a suspenseful <clears throat> note. Yeah, it's a really fun book, and it's not. I think I, I think a lot of these books get uh, a bad rap for kind of being um, light on content, but they're not. Like this is a really smart book. Yeah, I hope you're reading it. Yeah, it's got so many pathos, like more than one pathos. There's a, there's, there are two different colored pathos yep. in the front, and then a couple different ones in the back. So, Hey, oh, next, uh, we've got The New Avengers, number four. This one's written by Al Ewing. Uh, big shout-out to Al Ewing. And uh, with art by uh, Gerardo Sandoval, and uh, with colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. Um, so in this issue... Uh, the new Avengers team, which is the former AIM organization, the bad guys with the yellow suits, uh, they've been taken over by a group of the Avengers. They head into space to save two of their members, Hulkling and Wiccan, who um, were kidnapped in the previous issue. Spoiler alert. Um, so, like, it's no big deal. The Avengers head into space to try to save them. We learn a lot of stuff about this, like, almost like um, medieval... Legend surrounding Kree and Scroll uh, love affair that goes back to this Kree Scroll war. Yeah, Kree Scroll bone zone action has more than just like the, your normal bone zone repercussions. It's wow. time. It's times four. Yeah, and and Al, Al tosses like weird stuff in, like this one castle they hang out in is uh, hewn from living space coral. Like fun stuff like that is is what makes reading Al's uh, I work love it. fun. Um, the the people in space find out that like one of their own has been turned. And it's a bad guy we seen, we saw before. Uh, we get to see Hulkling and uh, Wiccan uh, wreck shop on this thing. But I love its name. It's Moradun, Space Wizard of the Fifth Cosmos. Yeah. It's terrific. And he's just this giant, like, Cthulhu-esque, just monster space wizard thing. Ugh. I think Al, like, Al's building this like crazy side story that involves like different uh, versions of the Marvel Universe. There are like eight of them, and it, like, it crosses over with this book and the Ultimates. It's really fun stuff. You should read in both these books. Uh, Pod has a fun moment. Pod's this like sentient Earth defense system. Uh, and, and by the end, I don't want to spoil it, but the Avengers assemble. They sure do. And uh, they take on the bad guy. Um, Wiccan gets... It de- determines that he's going to have a new name. I won't spoil that. That, like, yeah, there's connections to other, like, previous books that we've published yeah. and, like, really neat stuff. Yeah, Kieran Gillen's previous books. Uh, we Kieran Gillen's laying out some stuff, like, new writers are picking up. They're picking up what he's laying down. Yeah, picking up change. But this is, a, this is a fun book. This is a really fun young book that moves really, really fast. I can't believe it's already on issue four, and we've already gone through, like, two major storylines. So it's good stuff. Yeah. Cool, and, and the book uh, after that one is brand new title. I think it's the only issue one this week. I believe so. Uh, that's Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat exclamation point number one. Uh, this one is, is written by Kate Leth with art by Brittany Williams uh, and color art by Megan Wilson. Brittany and Megan are kind of new to Marvel. Brittany did a story in 
Secret Wars 2. They both did this with, story. With Kate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that team is, is back together again. We see... Uh, so I, I the only thing I know about Patsy Walker is she was in Marvel Divas back in the day. That, like, five-issue miniseries. Which <laughs> is all really you good. Did. Yeah, which it was really good. And her costume is rad. Yeah. Uh, but so... I also know that she's in the Jessica Jones television show, Patsy Walker, is at least. So this follows some of the stuff that was laid out in the Patsy Walker, or the Patsy Walker from TV, uh, the Netflix thing. Well, uh, kind of like there's a sense of Patsy Walker's mom messing, like sort of not being the best parental figure and like tweaking Patsy's career. Right. It's not the same trajectory. No. But there's some similarities for sure. She's not blonde. But... um, so in, in this, uh, Patsy is trying to present a new um, uh, career for herself, which is essentially temp work for anyone who has powers. And we find out how she came to that um, uh, decision. She runs into this new inhuman. Uh, she has this interaction with him. Uh, he talks about uh, his hardships, and she kind of identifies with them. They help this lady uh, retrieve some Broadway tickets. I don't go to Broadway because they're expensive. If I drop them down a manhole, yeah. I would want someone to get them for me, too. Totally. Uh, then she runs in, uh, meets with She-Hulk, and She-Hulk fires her from uh, She-Hulk's law practice. She also gets evicted from a storage unit she was sleeping in outside the office. I don't, can you get evicted from a place that you're not actually legally living in? Yeah, if my stuff is hanging up in that closet, I live there. You can't just toss me out willy-nilly. <laughs> And so then she moves in with this new Inhuman who she just met, um, which seems weird, but, like, he's kind of cool, and they've got a nice chemistry, uh, like a friend chemistry. Uh, Patsy talks about her past a little bit more. She runs into an old friend at a bookstore. That's where I she learns. I love that whole sequence. So, like, this is yeah, so great. I wasn't sure what the tone of the book was until I got to this sequence, and I realized it's kind of a fun all-ages book, but also for adults. So it's, it's meant to be kind of open and broad in a certain way, but still very appealing to people who like Squirrel Girl and... And Moon Girl, Double Dinosaur, that kind of thing. Uh, and who maybe are interested in Patsy Walker because of the television show. Yeah. So then she goes out for drinks uh, with She-Hulk. Everything's fine, even though she got fired by her earlier. She meets up with a couple other friends, and she realizes, hey, people who have superpowers need to have work, too. So if you can shoot spaghetti out of your fingers or make things float by sneezing at them, maybe there's a job for you somewhere in the world, and she wants to help you find it. I think my one of my favorite parts of this book, too, um, is the pictures of the kitties at the back? Yeah. They like the different creative. The creative team put pack pictures of their cats, and uh, Joe, the letter on this issue, his cats are adorable. He's got three beautiful cats, like little Persian keys, and so yeah, it's fun. I want to see where this book goes. I think it'll be. I think it'll be a winner. Uh, just give it a try. Yeah. Totally. Uh, all right, we've got Spider Woman number two. Uh, so, second issue, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Javier Rodriguez and Alvaro Lopez. Har- Javier Rodriguez, hands down, one of my favorite artists working right now. Mm-hmm. Just bonkers. Especially like this issue. So, amazing panel layouts. Like, very unorthodox. Like, this page has. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but it's laid out in a really weird way. This one has panels within panels uh, to sort of like focus your attention. The two page spreads that are, are mixed and twisted around with different types of uh, storytelling. Really, really talented stuff. And Dennis is like 
you know, we've been seeing these two together for a while now, and it's like still firing on all cylinders. But Jessica Drew is pregnant, super duper pregnant. Her best friend, Carol Danvers, was like, hey, come to my Alpha Flight Hospital. You'll be great. Uh, They'll take care of you. It's just going to be the best. And, of course, she does that. And, of course, things go terribly wrong. Skrulls have infiltrated this hospital because they're looking for something or someone. You'll find out throughout this issue. But they're on this search. And, unfortunately, Jessica is there as well as a bunch of moms-to-be, various alien races. Uh, really cool, like, creature designs. Some that are familiar if you, you know, know your Marvel comics. Some I don't think I've ever seen, like, this carrot dude yeah. or carrot lady. And this one that is sort of, like, I don't know, sent- weird pink shapes. There's that one that's like a ball of babies. Yeah, the ball of babies. Go <laughs> love that one. Uh, but, you know, Jessica Drew's like, I'm pregnant. I don't want to get involved. I'm pregnant. I don't want to get involved. All right, I'm going to snap this one's neck and blow a hole in this one. Yeah. Done. Uh, but, you know, she can't take on all these scrolls on her own, so uh, she gets a little help from some of the other pregos. Yeah. Uh, you can say that. I can. Great. Uh, some of the pregnant women and all this while she's relaying to, she has sent a message to Carol Dammers like, hey, this is going down. Please come by. We need your help. We need Captain Marvel. And so Carol is flying there as fast as she can, flying to uh, an entrance to this hospital. All the while, the Skrulls are going to town. They're they're going after... (laughs) Going uh, to town. They're going to town. They're going after uh, the pregnant women. They're going through their search. They're trying to deal with stuff. By the end, we get to see that uh, Jessica's in a dilly of a pickle bigger than she expected because uh, the circumstances around this hospital are much bigger than she could have imagined. If Dennis Hope was asked you to name Spider-Woman's baby, what would you name it? Uh, Galobulus. Galobulus? Yeah. That's a girl's name. That's a, <laughs> look, I don't see gender. It could be any of rewrite. I don't <laughs> see gender. Yeah, whatever, whatever that child wants to be... Whatever that child is, yeah. Galobulus is the perfect name. Is the name for it. Yeah. Uh, all right, we've got Star-Lord number two. Um, this is year one, chapter two, Space Pirates of the Galaxy, written by Sam Humphreys, art by Javier Garon, colors by Antonio Fabella. Garon, another one of those. Like, where did we find yeah, I know. Garon? Because... G- Garon was, was Garon's like a Italian guy. He's like super young. He's really excited to be drawing comics, but he's got such a fresh take on perspective and anatomy and, and backgrounds and designs too. Like he he along with guys like Mike Hawthorne really define the the all new all different Marvel now look. Um, but he's only done a handful of books. He was on Cyclops before, yep. part of Black Vortex. So I expect really big things from him. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's this great. Splash page uh, where we're introduced to Yondu and the Ravagers of like this time, like in the Marvel Comics universe. Yeah. Uh, and they don't look like the Ravagers from the film. They don't look like they don't need to. Right. He does such a great job like establishing really interesting looks for all these characters and like setting the tone, but they still feel like the characters you know if you've come in from Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie. It's really yeah. great. Uh, but so Peter Quill has stolen a. Uh, Basically, Earth's first, like, interdimensional transport ship. Right. And he's gotten it to work. He's in space, and then it stops working. And then he gets picked up by the ship of space pirates, Yandu and the Ravagers. And he has to try to figure out, okay, how do I survive? How do I get past these guys? 
I need help. I want to be one of them. I want to be a space pirate. Um, there's just a great sequence between Quill and Yondu. Is that it's like a cat and mouse game. Uh, Quill has this great treasure room in the ship, and one of his pieces of treasure is a statue of Thanos and Death, like about to make out and get into the bone zone. It's terrific. <laughs> Uh, all that's going on. Lots of fun stuff with Peter Quill. Uh, I think Sam does such a great job writing this like young version of the soon-to-be super-duper rapscallion Peter. Yeah. Uh, it's just a great tone. Really fun stuff. There's so many little details about this book that I, I absolutely adore. Yeah, young Peter Quill seems like a real fun like Ferris Bueller kind of jerk. Like, I hate Ferris Bueller. Having a good, I know, like a jerk. I hate but, the but character. Trying to make stuff work. <laughs> And like Whoa. trying to, he's yeah. such a tool. He's such a <laughs> he's such he a d bag. He is, hundred yeah. percent. I think the way he treats Cam is. I think the way he treats it's everyone. disrespectful. <laughs> Dude, Cam especially, Cam but especially. like his family, just like blatantly lying, going around the, abusing the people's trust and and love for him. Just sheer disregard for anyone's feelings or just anything. I I loathe. I like the movie. I loathe the character. Right. I, it's, I have a hard time watching the movie now being an adult and being like, why would you do that? Why would you do that to those people? That's so mean. That's, there's nothing enjoyable about that character to me now. Well, teen, teen hero of the 1980s slammed. Yeah. By Ryan Tanaka. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my hot take on, on the new movie, Fairy Jewelers. It's going to be all over everywhere. Yeah, yeah. they're going to be like, wow. <laughs> Somewhere Matthew Broderick just started crying for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why. Finally. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last book of the week is Venom Space Night. Finally. Number two, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Ariel Olivetti. Dude, how do we get Ariel Olivetti back? Because I am so jazzed. Yeah, he's doing the best work I think he's done uh, since before Punisher War Journal back in the day. Like, yeah. this stuff is really detailed. It's, it's gorgeous. Oh, it's so detailed, so crazy. I mean, we get we start up with uh, Venom fighting, like, really crazy crab creatures. And, uh, and you find out that he's there, and he's on this planet, and he's helping out. Uh, he ends up helping out these sort of very peaceful... Uh, natives who are who think he's brought been brought to them by a god, uh, their god, and it turns out that they have been all messed up. The crab creatures have been all messed up because of this mining, like, uh, machine that is on the planet. And he goes and he saves these people. He takes out the mining machine, but that sets off, I'm sure, uh, a series of events for him that we'll see come through. But as he's leaving the planet. He gets uh, tractor beamed into this other uh, spaceship, this giant spaceship. And uh, it's just a really cool sequence where we get um, tons more info about the what an agent of the cosmos is. Yeah. Not all the info, but a lot more and really sort of gives some insight into what Venom's place in the galaxy is going to be, which is super cool. It's, yeah. it's just a, a very different take for the character and uh, it's going to be really great. And like... Olivetti's designs here are so good. Yeah, like those creature designs. Yeah, the creature designs are really creepy. Like they could be background creature designs in like Fifth Element or like Star Wars or yeah, something. They're really yeah, cool. and then there's one where uh, Flash, who is a recovering alcoholic, has like this Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on this alien planet, and it's just like the creatures there, really cool. Um, but we get a sense of like the bigger problem that Flash has uh, set off for himself and for. 
whoever's around him. Yeah, Robbie Thompson's doing a great job with this book, like trying to find, trying to make Venom seem uh, interesting. This new Venom that the Bendis introduced with the yeah. intergalactic cop, basically. Robbie's great. He work, works, I think, still works on Supernatural, mm. uh, but just super talented dude. Yeah. Uh, all right, time for the picks of the week. Tucker, what do you want to read most? Uh, I think as a, as a long time reader, I think I gotta go Deadpool. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, Ricky. I think I, I think I would read anything that Mike Hawthorne and Javier Garon draw. <laughs> so Star Lord and Deadpool. I like. I, I love the looks of those books. Yeah. We, we have so many good artists. I know. It's, you know what it's, I mean? kind of, it's a wealth of of beauty. Rodriguez and 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 Natasha Bustos is great now. Humberto Ramos, Laroca, Rongarni, Camo. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, my pick, as I read all the books, my pick is Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat number mm. one. Uh, I just love the tone of the book. You know, it's super fun. I love, like, the chibi style that it just it yeah. goes back and forth. Like, there's just a quirkiness to it that hits all the right notes for me. Yeah, it's not, really it's not any one kind of thing. It really is worth a pick up and flip through. It's in, like, checking out the dialogue, too. It's not... It's not what it looks like on the surface. It's really worth checking it out. And, and again, I, f- I think it feels different from Moon, Night, Moon Girl and um, Squirrel Girl and books like that. A different, but at the same time, like I think it's one of those books that's going to grab people mm-hmm. when they read it in similar ways. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Totally. Uh, collections on sale this week. We've got Future Imperfect War Zones, Master of Kung Fu, Battle World. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it? A kung Fu. <laughs> kung Fu. Uh, Where Monsters Dwell, Phantom Eagle Flies the Savage Skies, trade paperback. And X-Men Epic Collection, Volume 12, Gift, which has got some Doom stuff and tons of Ramita Jr. art inside. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, Ricky, you want to tell us what's also on sale on the Marvel app this week? Also on sale, uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, number 11. No, Volume nope. 2, number 1 through 8. Sorry, I can't read. Uh, Black Panther. One through nine from 1976, uh, Black Panther: The Man Without Fear, which is basically Black Panther 519 through 522, or Black- Daredevil 519 through. Yeah, Daredevil. Yeah, it, was, it took over the Daredevil numbering, but man, we do some weird stuff. It took it, over the Daredevil numbering, but it was actually Black Panther. If if I was like organizing my comics collection, I would go crazy. Yeah, where is this D's that? or B's? These are bees. That's yeah, the question we all ask. These are bees. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Black Panther, the most dangerous man alive, five twenty three point one. Black Panther, the most dangerous man alive, five twenty five through five twenty nine. Uh, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite Comic number five. Nightcrawler number one through four from nineteen eighty five. Silver Surfer in Thy Name one through four. That's good stuff. Uh, Star Wars Jabba the Hutt Betrayal number one. Star Wars Jabba the Hutt The Dynasty Trap number one. Uh, Star Wars Jabba the Hutt, the Gar Sapoon hit, number one. These are a lot of one-shots from, like, the 90s. Jabba the Hutt, The Hunger of Princess Nampi, number, number one, these. Nampi. Uh, Star Wars Jedi, Ayla Secura, number one. Jedi Count Dooku, number one. Jedi Mace Windu, number one. Uh, Jedi Shaq T, number one. Jedi The Dark Side, one through five. Uh, Jedi Yoda, number one. These, I guess, would come out around the time of the prequels. Yeah, this would have been, I would have guessed, this for Clone Wars. Clone yeah, Wars. 2003, the, I guess the timing makes sense, right? Yeah, this would have been right after Clone Wars, yeah. yeah. So, Jedi Academy. Attack of the Clones, thank yeah. you. Jedi Academy Leviathan 1 through 4. Jedi Council Acts of War 1 through 4. Jedi Quest 1 through 4. Jedi vs. Sith 1 through 6. Mara Jade by the Emperor's Hand 1 through 6. 
Obsession 1 through 5, Star Wars Purge number 1. That's a pretty cool Darth Vader one shot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Star Wars Purge Second Sedai number 1, Star Wars Purge The Hidden Blade number 1, Star Wars Purge The Tyrant's Fist 1 through 2, Star Wars Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan Last Stand on Ord Mantell 1 through 3, Star Wars Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan The the Aurorient Express 1 through 2, Star Wars River of Chaos 1 through 4, Shadow Stalker 1, Star Wars Splinter of the Mind's Eye 1 through 4. That's good Splinter stuff of too. the Mind's Eye is like one of those seminal classics. Yeah. we got to do that on the show at one point. Yeah, Star Wars The Bounty Hunters Aura Sing 1. Star Wars The Bounty Hunters Kinnix Kill 1. Star Wars The Bounty Hunters Scoundrels Wages 1. Star Wars The Jabba Tape number 1. Ooh. What's on Jabba's tape? Yeah. He's got just like old Mother Babies episodes. Yeah, VHS. And he's got like commentary that he recorded yeah. like on, on his camcorder. Uh, Star Wars Underworld, the Yavin Vasilika, 1 through 5, and X-Men Annual number 8 from 1970. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Tucker, why don't you tell us what digital collections are available? Sure. Uh, we have Future Imperfect War Zones. <laughs> Exclamation <laughs> point. Uh, we have Master of Kung Fu. Battle World, uh, Where Monsters Dwell, The Phantom Eagle Flies, The Savage Skies, X-Men Epic Collection, The Gift, Avengers Masterworks Volume 10, Captain America Fighting Chance Acceptance, Captain America Fighting Chance Denial, New X-Men Childhood Ends, Childhoods End Volume 2, Thor Gods and Men, White Tiger A Hero's Compulsion, and that's that for the collection. That's now, right. Freshly digitized, 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 digitized on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, I think we had like twenty-seven this week. Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies number one. Ant-Man Larger Than Life number one. Daredevil number sixteen. Is for Extinction number one. Howard the Duck number four. Infinity Gauntlet number two. Korvac Saga number one. Loki Agent of Asgard number fifteen. Modok Assassin number two. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors number eight. Shield number seven. Uncanny Avengers number five. Where Monsters Dwell number two. <laughs> X-Men ninety-two number one. <laughs> Why are you saying it that way? <laughs> Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier number thirty-nine. Really number thirty-nine. I don't think that's right. Number nine, I bet. I think it's number nine. I probably forgot to push the, the shift, shift mm, key. Yeah. Deadpool Secret Secret Wars, number two. Deathlock, number nine. Magneto, number 19. Moon Knight, number 16. Ms. Marvel, number 16. Old Man Logan, number two. Tomb of Dracula, number 61. Mm. Thor, number 165. And issues one through four of Night Nurse. So, tons of books. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's take some news. From Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. All right, Ben usually would fill this out, uh, so I just looked on Marvel.com to see what recent news we had. Uh, We had the History of the Hulk series continuing, which is a great series of features on, you guessed it, the History of the Hulk. Oh. Yeah. Uh, We have a series of holiday features by our friend TJ Deitch uh, called the Marvel Holiday Grab Bag. Uh, so we have a new one of those. Probably worth reading. Yeah, definitely worth reading. Uh, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, by the time you're listening to this, the holiday episode of Marvel Superheroes What The will be out. Yes! That is scheduled for Thursday. We're recording this on Monday. I'm hedging my bets that <laughs> we'll get it through because Ben is back in the office on Wednesday, I believe. Are they going to have him back on on Friday for Christmas? Like, we need you here to finish this on yeah, Christmas. Yeah, you, you got to get it done. Tap tap that anger that yeah. you probably feel and finish <laughs> it. Uh, but a lot of that stuff uh, on the TV side, and I'm sure Patrick will talk about this as well, uh, Marvel's Captain America 75 Heroic Years will air on ABC cool. January 19th. 
that is executive produced by John Cirilli and Harry Goh. What? Yeah. That's awesome. That's It's the third special that John has done, I think. Second or third. He did the Marvel 75 what? special. Um, That's awesome. He, he pitched a great special, which I don't know that is happening, but or happened. I don't think so. Maybe it did. Was I, it top 19 robots in the Marvel Universe? It, no, but that's going to be next year. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, he's it's great. Uh, I keep trying to bug him to give me in a, like a consulting producer credit yeah. because I have to listen to him talk about the special <laughs> every day, all the time. That's and I cool. give him notes on it from you know my perspective when he asks for them. Yeah. So, You're doing all the work. Right? Like, I need, I, I really need that. I, one time when Harry and John were working really late one night, I went and got them dinner, so That's, maybe that I counts. could... Is that yeah, producer? That I could also get on right. there. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. Right, cool. I accidentally uh, CC'd Harry on an email where I sent a photo of a koala falling out of a tree, so that counts. I'm an executive producer. Yeah. So, yeah. We're he all did not want to see that video, yeah. by the way. <laughs> a good use of the new email address is to send us reasons why you should be an executive producer on the 75 yeah, years... what did you do? Uh, ...special for Captain. <laughs> In America, so I want to see those come through. Uh, we also have a uh, we I guess uh, officially showed off and announced the SMS headphones. There's Iron Man, Captain America, and Black Widow. They are available now. They look super cool. Uh, so you're gonna dig those. I think that's it because it is a holiday week and a shortened week for us here at Marvel. Not a ton of news. I know there's something coming that I can't talk about yet. Oh yeah. Uh, but it'll happen at some point, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Uh, how's that for for teasing? Ooh. <laughs> that was good sound effects, guys. Thank you. Uh, and Mark is not here this week, so let's kick it over to Patrick. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of What Up, Wolfman. I am Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh, joined, as always, by nobody. Nobody's here with me. I'm all by myself because it's the holidays and Mark Strom is, I don't know, in Minnesota, I believe, at the zoo. I think he went to go visit his family at the zoo because he is... I don't know, an animal of some sorts? Anyways, what do we have for you this week? Well, uh, we have been putting out there uh, some clips from the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2 box set. Whole bunch of stuff. You've seen some gag reels from both Phase 1 and Phase 2. You've seen uh, the Marvel one-shot All Hail the King Commentary, uh, which is the one shot that was on the Thor The Dark World Blu-ray release, and that was about the Mandarin, and you got to hear director Drew Pierce talk about uh, that one shot. You got to see Ty Simpkins's screen test, uh, and you can see how he earned his role uh, in Marvel's Iron Man 3 as the little kid Harley, who, I don't know... Definitely kindred spirits with Tony Stark. So you got to see that. You got to see Drunk Drax. That's funny. He was just gabbing about his tattoos and what the meanings of all of his tattoos were. So that's great. Honestly, there's not much else going on, guys. Uh, make sure to tune in to the 
season two premiere of Marvel's Agent Carter. That'll be on January 19th, Tuesday, on uh, on ABC. So that's pretty awesome. In case I hadn't mentioned when talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Phase 2 box set, that's available now on Amazon. You can only get it through Amazon. That has all Phase 2 films, all six of them, plus a whole bunch of bonus discs and bonus content and bonus prizes and swag and all just sorts of cool stuff. If you are thinking about celebrating the holidays in a Marvel way, then you can check out Marvel Superhero Adventures Frost Fight, which is now available on iTunes and Amazon and Voodoo. Voodoo. Every time I say Voodoo, I'm, I think of like Voodoo, like sorcery. But no, it's V-U-D-U. Not to be confused with Hulu. Hulu, I don't really confuse with anything because there's only one Hulu. Voodoo and the voodoo that you do on your own time, I'm not going to get into. That's really that's really it, guys. Uh, you won't be hearing from me until the new year. So thanks to all of the loyal listeners who download this podcast every single week. I'm sure that Ryan Panagos a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, has already thanked you fans because I believe he's also recording his segment alone. And uh, I'm sure we're both just kind of reaching for things to talk about. Let's talk about what your favorite holiday movies are. I'm, I'm talking to you, the listener. On the count of three, tell me your favorite holiday movies. One, two, three. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh it's good to see people appreciating Jonathan Taylor Thomas in I'll Be Home for Christmas. Also, Jingle All the Way, whoever said that. That was cool. Of course, I agree with with all you folks who said Black Christmas, both uh, the original Bob Clark horror film from 1974 and also the remake starring Lacey Chabert. Yeah, those are both... Those are both some some of my favorite horror movies. Um, anyways, you guys probably don't need to hear me ramble about my favorite uh, holiday horror movies, and would much rather just uh, hear hear what else is going on in the world of Marvel for this week. So I'm gonna sign off. I'll chat with you guys in a couple of weeks, and happy holidays to everybody. This uh, what's what is March? Do I have a sign-off? Does anybody know that? If you could tweet me if I've ever signed off with anything, that would be great. That would be at the Wolfman on Twitter. Just send me a message saying, hey, this is a thing you said every time that you forgot to say. And if I get that tweet in a few weeks, I will uh, re-record this episode. But uh, until then, I'll smell you later. All right. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Uh, Ricky? Anything you want to say before we let you go? Unless you want to say for Twim URC, but I don't know if you read the books. Um, I didn't read. I didn't read all those books. No, I just want to say thanks. You know, for everything. It's it's been real, and I'm not going to forget it anytime soon. So that's real for me in my heart, and I mean it. Underlined. Great. Exclamation point. Any advice for people who want to break into comics? Yes, please. Uh, if you know anybody who uh, is a great artist or up-and-coming artist, you know, um, if you are somebody yourself or if you're looking for information on uh, just tips on how to do, um, get to get yourself to a place where 
uh, you could possibly uh, do samples for us or something, please feel free to email me. My email address is online. I can say it here. It's it's R Purden or I'm sorry. It's uh, yeah R Purden <laughs> at Marvel dot com, um, and I'm happy to check out samples. I get literally hundreds of emails every day, so I, it may take me a minute to get back to you, as can be proven by the hundreds of people I haven't answered today. But um, I do get back to everybody. No ideas or submissions, though. It should be. Yep, yeah. I can't. I can't see any original Marvel ideas or submissions, uh, and it can only be after I've asked you to submit uh, some samples. I'll send you a sample script if I want to see it. But uh, like I said, if you know anybody else, if you're listening, or you, you, you like an artist that we're working with, even just send you know shoot me a line. I'm happy to to interact with people. So yeah, Thanks. give them a ring. Yep. All right. Uh, all right. We'll be right back with Twim URC. All right, we're back. Uh, Ricky has been thrown out of the building, and he has been replaced with Heather Antos. Heather, say hello. Hi. Have you ever been on one of our shows? Uh, not. I've been on Women on okay, Marvel. Good. Yeah. Well, I was want to make sure. Uh, but for those of you who don't know who you are and what you do, please explain. Uh, yeah, my name is Heather Antos, and I am the assistant editor in the Star Wars and Deadpool offices. So I work on all things Star Wars and Deadpool. <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory. Now we have an, a, an office dedicated to the, just that. Like it's so siloed off that you have Deadpool and Star Wars. I'm it's waiting. Great. I'm waiting for Jordan to let me do my Darth Deadpool crossover events, um, but I don't. I don't see it happening anytime soon. No, probably not. <laughs> um, all right. So the pick of this week was Star Wars Infinities. Uh, it's three, four issue limited series. These were done originally with Dark Horse. Uh, back in... 2001. 2001, okay. Oh, they were all 2001? 2001 was A New Hope, 2002 was Empire, and I assume 2003 must have been Jedi. Yeah, yeah, so they went from May of 2001 and, you know, bits and pieces through 2002 and 2003. It's great. The, uh, the... Fortunately, the collection just came out last week, which we had no idea. We were just yeah. picking this because I like what-if stories. And uh, the collection, in addition to those 12 issues, also has The Star Wars, yeah. which was based off of a first draft. The original, yeah, the original draft of the screenplay. Um, and it's interesting enough, Mike Mayhew did the art for of Star Wars, and he is doing the art for an upcoming issue of Star Wars, um, a one-shot issue, Star Wars number 15, which is the next Obi-Wan story. Nice. Yeah, so the it all comes full circle. The circle is complete. Is that, <laughs> that's a Star Wars line, probably? No. No? no. Mm. Lion that's King. Bad. More like Lion King. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, but so, we, you know, on the show, we always talk about how much we love what-ifs. Uh, I love what-ifs because... Often they just turn everything to the worst possible. It's like, oh, this one, like this butterfly landed on Hulk's shoulder, so he freaked out, murdered the entire Avengers. <laughs> then the Earth exploded, the scrolls took over, and Captain America somehow survived and had to liberate humanity on the moon. What if? <laughs> right? Like that, that's a that's actually a possible story. This uh, is similar. Like they really talk about. Um, in this, uh, there's one like 
if just one detail had been altered, could the rebels have still won the war? Or would the Empire triumph instead, destroying the rebellion once and for all? Like, they look at the very one specific detail. Like, that's the catalyst for these stories. Uh, in A New Hope, it's what if Luke Skywalker's valiant torpedo attack on the first Death Star had failed? Uh, and that one was cool. I, I actually thought that that was neat because it's yeah. like he shoots and they go in, but they detonate prematurely. Yeah, it, it, you know, it was. it's so simple. It's such a simple thing that totally could have happened. Um, and I think it was my favorite of the three mm-hmm. because of the simplicity to it. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what if the Death Star didn't blow up? You were putting all your... All your eggs in one basket, yeah. and uh, you drop the basket, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool, because, like, okay, the Death Star didn't blow up. Luke is now freaking out, because yep. he's also, like, what is he, like, 19 or something Yeah, at that time? he's, like, 19. And so. he's like, oh, God, oh, God, I was the one who was supposed to fix this. I'm totally responsible yeah. for everything. Yeah. And, and Han is like, kid, we've got to go. We're going <laughs> to get killed. Uh, and then you watch as the Death Star itself just does its business and yep. takes out the rebellion. Um, there's a whole bunch of like cool sequence where then uh, they get Leia. The the Empire gets Leia. And so it's a different trajectory for her. Yep. Yeah, I, I dug that. And Dag- I love how important Dagobah and Yoda is throughout these. All of them. Yeah. Yeah, through, throughout every single... It, it was funny. I, when, we were, when I was reading through A New Hope, I was like... All of a sudden, we're on Dagobah, and this is still a new hope. But I thought Empire had its own <laughs> book. But yeah. yeah, yeah, Yoda plays a, a massive role in all three of these um, miniseries. So if you're a big Yoda fan and didn't think he got adequate screen time, uh, he's 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 a big part of these stories. Totally big part. And what what's fascinating about this about a new hope is it the time jump. Yeah. You know, like, the story is, like... like, five years? Yeah. And A New Hope... There was, yeah, A New Hope had, like, five years had passed, and the world is still awful. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I always think about is, like, what was life like under the Empire mm-hmm. for, like... If we if the Empire was out there, like what would our lives be like? Not necessarily the people on the Death Star or in the military or even on Coruscant, but, like, on a close neighboring planet, how would it have affected? Because here, and of course, this is propaganda, but the Empire is having this big parade and they're talking about peace and unity and order that they've put through and, like, how much of that... It's true. Yeah, I I don't know how much we would ever see of that. You actually get into it um, with with some of the new canon, some of the new stuff that's out there. Uh, There's a novel called Lost Stars by Claudia Gray, which actually spans... Uh, a New Hope through Jedi, and mm. a little bit after Jedi, and you actually do get to see um, a bit of that. So um, something to check out. Yeah, no, I want. Yeah, I want to ask you about those novels because, like, as soon as I finished the, my first viewing, I emailed Matt Martin, who is at Lucasfilm. Yeah. yeah, and I've known Matt for years, and I was like, Matt, when am I going to get more of the story between Jedi and a new and Force Awakens? And he was like, well, here, you know, he's giving me some bits and pieces and telling me, you know, like, hey, you should check out this book or that book. You should check out Shattered Empire. Well, I yeah, mean, come on. We talked about that heavily on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yes, totally cool. But so five years, uh, it's interesting to see that our key players and where they are. Mm-hmm. Leia being 
And now she's, courted by the empire. Yeah. yeah. Welcomed as a general in the <laughs> the or like a senator in the empire. Some some sort of leader. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, she's a former rebel leader, but we're good with her now. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Uh, Luke has stayed on Dagobah yep. for five years. And what was his time on Dagobah in Empires? It's it's not ever like yeah. really clarified. Um, but not long enough. Not long. Yeah, not <laughs> not five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even in five years, he's like pretty close to being fully trained. Right. Yeah, Yoda says, like, wow, you you were way too old to start, and you still <laughs> learn faster than any Jedi <laughs> yeah. I've ever trained. Uh, it's great. And then we, you know, we also, they love, da- like, the three series love Dagobah, and they love the uh, the cave. Yeah. You know? They keep like, revisiting the cave. Gotta go to the cave. Um, Though, I will say, that scene is one of those scenes that has always stayed with me. Because it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, the uh, A New Hope books were written by I believe it's Chris uh, Chris Warner there's a couple different artists Drew Johnson on one um, this uh, who is this artist because it looks really familiar I know Tony Harris did the cover yeah there's some Tony Harris action um, yeah Drew Johnson but I think this is issue three has a different artist and that's Al Rio but there's I really loved this page here showing the scope of the Empire you've got Coruscant here and then you've got the Death Star which I think they call the Justice Star yeah they end up call, they just throw they change it when it was Leia addressing the yeah. people I, I caught that too like oh it's changed to the Justice Star and I'm like <laughs> but like five years, they would have. They were right. Like, oh, this is constantly this propagandizing. This is what made peace. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, but the scope of the empire right the fleet, here yeah. is fantastic. I really, really dug that. Just like there's like a hundred Tie Fighters. There's tons of Star Destroyers and like cruisers and just there's everywhere. Oh. It's great. But, but I'm sitting here looking too, like, look how close the Death Star is to course. I'm like, that gravitational pull, all right, the physics here, there's there's something a little off. So you're also a Star Wars scientist, which is a good. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, there is, so in this one, I find it interesting. So Yoda's like, you know what? Uh, Han and Chewie come back to pick up Luke, and Yoda's like, you know, I'll, I'll go with you guys. I'll take a little trip. With you back I in the space. Check out, see what the Empire is up to. It's great. I I loved Yoda in this. Like he's, yeah, yeah. I my only I was a little bit because uh, he he is basically able to uh, mind what what is it you call Jedi mind trick Jedi mind trick. Um, uh, what's his name? Tarkin. The, Tarkin. Yeah. I I questioned that too because like, like, Tarkin seems so strong, strong and cause, forceful. Cause that's the whole thing. It only right. works against the weak. We willed yeah. and Tarkin, especially if um, speaking of the new canon, he has his own book that's about all about him. Really? Yes, it's by James Luceno. It's excellent. It's one of my favorite of the new new canon novels. Um, but so you you read this whole book that's about him, and you get the strong sense of why Tarkin is who Tarkin is. So so I'm reading Yoda do a Jedi mind trick on Tarkin, and I'm just like. Nah. <laughs> this I, is really a what if now. Right. Yeah, I, I question that. And then some of Yoda's actions in here. Oh, like he gets a little too violent. violent? Well, he's not violent, but the Death Star just destroying everything. But I mean, he's he's basically using he's the Death Star. doing it. Yeah, the Death Star to destroy Imperial cruisers and battleships and stuff, which 
I don't know. You, however you slice it, that's still... Killing innocent mil- people. Probably or- millions of people who aren't actively... Go like battle, like fighting. They're right. not. They're not posing an active threat on your right. on his person. And you could sort of look at that in a number of ways. Then he throws the Death Star onto Into Coruscant. Coruscant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Coruscant is now, which is the center of the galaxy, the Senate, the Jedi Temple, all of these huge, huge locations. Um, not to mention the people. It's like Coruscant is essentially like New York City as a planet. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. So I loved it, but at the same time I have like our own nitpicky reservations about it. Uh then we have the Empire Strikes Back, which what is their uh, so what if Luke Skywalker froze to death on the icy planet Hoth before the Imperial attack on the Rebels' hidden base? That was a super bummer. Yeah, <laughs> I that was that was interesting to me because you start with a New Hope and it's like something as simple as the torp- torpedoes misfire, right? Okay, that could happen. This one, uh, Luke just dies. Yeah, it's like, like he just dies. Han was like two hours late yeah. getting out there, and those two hours. Luke basically got, oh, you gotta go to the Dagobah. I'm dead. Well, I love, too, like, Han's like, oh, my Tauntaun died. But he miraculously had this tent on him. Yeah. Which, that makes me question, why didn't you pull that tent out in the movie if you had it this whole time? Uh, so, I, I would have liked to see more of, I guess you can't really expect, take too much time on the battle here. Mm-hmm. But, like, that battle, would it would just... To see it all fall apart, we get a, I guess a couple pages, but it like it's such did, an iconic did scene. Did Wedge die in that battle? I think too? so. That's like you the just arc. you just say like, "Hey, Wedge, you know, do this," and the next thing I know is like things are blowing up. So I think I think Wedge died. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got to do a quick shout out to uh, Chris Pachalo yeah. on covers, which. Uh, did some cool stuff. Totally cool stuff, but written by Dave Land uh, was The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it was cool that we go, we still go to Bespin, mm-hmm. Cloud City, um, and, and see Lando, and there's this really fun sequence with them, and it's not super, like, already manipulated yeah. Lando. You know, he hasn't been messed with by the Empire, so you see him just being a good dude and, like, trying to help out where he can. Uh, but the the Boba Fett stuff is crazy. I, I did question that a little bit because I'm like Lando, he's always playing to the bigger pocket here, and he's yeah, I don't know. It, it was weird. It was like nice to see him as a good guy, sure. but definitely questioned his motivations yeah. as well. Uh, and I, I think I found it fun that funny and also kind of wrong with Boba Fett with his mask off with his. I was a little off. weird. Yeah, it was, and he's just like hanging out, laying like, on the table. What? Yeah. Lounging like hello, welcome. Oh, that's that's Boba Fett's voice now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I can't do his sort of New Zealandish yeah, voice. New, yeah, um, but yeah. So there's a, the, this little fight on Bespin, and I I like that they you know did a little nod to the carbonite freezing, and mm-hmm. and that was twisted. But then it gets like super like messed up. Like there's this like whole big sequence of deaths, oh, and yeah, I thought yeah. this I I actually really liked this page and this panel where you see Lando's cape just fluttering. It's like, oh, poor Lando. Yeah. Bummer. But, boom, Dagobah. Yep, again. Yeah. 
because Luke's last words to Han were, you gotta go to the Dagobah. Dagobah, trained as a Jedi. So Han's all like, I gotta be a Jedi. Yeah, surely he <laughs> means me. Uh, and then, of course, Yoda's like, no, no, no. Uh, so cool sequence, I, and I love seeing Leia with the lightsaber. I love how they gave the girl the purple lightsaber. I just want to point oh, that yeah. out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting choice. Well, <laughs> yep, that's a bummer. Only she, for Sam Jackson I, and for the girl. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, oh, oh, I guess she was. Well, she hadn't actually created her. Like she what? hadn't created her own yet. Yoda just hands her a purple lightsaber. He's like, yeah, let me rummage yeah, through blue, yeah, he's blue, like, red, <laughs> green, blue, red, red, red. Ooh, purple. You like this? But then, yeah, later you get to one of the later chapters, and he's like, okay, you have to go create your, build your own lightsaber, and get yeah. your own crystal, and then it's blue. Um, but yeah, I, I was just, what happened to the purple one then? <laughs> yeah. Where did it go? Yeah, uh, we get. 3PO is getting consistently messed up through these stories. Yeah, poor, he, he gets, like, in the movies, like, he always gets messed up, but he always gets to redeem himself. They didn't really give him that opportunity in these. Yeah. Uh, final throwdown between Yoda and Vader, I found super fun. Awesome. Yeah. Like, I could, I could see that as, like, a whole sequence. And then how they bring in, like, the spirits and, like, mm-hmm. that whole storytelling that part was, was really, really fun. cool. And they do some cool stuff, too, um... On Marvel Unlimited, with just the the storytelling mm-hmm. aspect of how they move around the page with some of these things, especially totally. the battles, which are really cool. Yeah, uh, just seeing like Yoda trying to appeal to the goodness in Vader here, uh, and then there's this got like a little creepy. It got super creepy got right a, at the end. Got a little creepy. Yeah, little, uh, little Jake Lloyd, but <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then poor Yoda, you know, he gets offed, but uh, there's some good redemption. Right by the end there. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, w- I would have liked... Well, we'll get to that at the end. Uh, Return of the Jedi is our third, and the what if there's... What if Princess Leia and Lando Calrissian's mission to rescue Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt went disastrously wrong? <laughs> Not just wrong, disastrously wrong. Because it did already go wrong. Yeah, yeah. But it, like, no, oh, it's a disaster. They messed up pretty bad. Yeah. Let's, let's amp it up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's written by Adam Galaro, uh, penciled by Ryan Benjamin, which is super cool. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it, it starts out, you know, like, what is the, yeah, the the ensuing, like, the little change is that when Jabba throws his arm back and hits uh, 3PO, he hits him too hard. Yeah. He, he literally so hits subtle. him too Yeah. <laughs> he hits him too hard. 3PO's head falls off, which... Doesn't stop him from talking. He can still talk. So he should still be able to translate. Translate. Yeah, I was thinking that too because like he talks throughout this whole thing. So yeah, three PO because his head's knocked off apparently can't translate anymore. So Leia (laughs) takes off her helmet as the Buash and is like, "All right, I'm a princess. (laughs) Let's see what we can do." And Jabba, of course, wanting to strike the better bargain, goes with it. Yeah, Uh, and so. There's this whole, like, so the sequence gets crazy. Boba Fett takes off with uh, Han's carbonite body. Um, Lando is freaking out. Like, I like, he's like, "Ah!" he's like freaking out. Yeah, all of a sudden Lando, the man with a plan, is just speechless and has no idea what to do. Yeah. Uh, Leia is like, there's really like this big focus. She takes one shot and it misses, uh, but hits. Like they very clearly say it misses her mark, but hits the uh, carbonite. Hans carbonite. Uh, she still had the thermal detonator. Mm-hmm. How long 
does a thermal detonator have before it goes off? Because this thing is sitting like it's, it's like beeping good, for like five. It seems like it's five a minutes. Good, good, good time. Okay. Yeah, like people are talking, and I don't like to me like a thermal detonator. That's like a grenade. Like that's what I I yeah. think of. Like you have like three seconds. Yeah, maybe five. Yeah, but I guess because it it's like. A grenade amplified, so it's a much bigger blast radius and all that stuff, so it's much more dangerous. Um, but we get some fun sequences. Uh, there's just this one face that looks bonkers crazy. I love it. Uh, but, of course, we get a little bit of Dagobah. Of course. But it's a super sad trip to Dagobah. Yeah. Because... Uh, so this takes place after everything has been normal, yeah. but that divergence. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. It, you know, now that you mentioned, like, going back to Dagobah and Yoda and everything, Yoda dies in all of them. All of them. Yoda play, is a badass in all of them, but he dies in all of them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Some things, I guess, have to still be consistent with I the suppose. films. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so Luke is... Like, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Lando, they're all still looking for Han in their own ways. Luke is pulled in by uh, by his feelings, by the Force. And he's going to, you know, go this way or that way. Um, we get Chewie just wrecking shop. We get Yoda's ghost. You get Obi-Wan's ghost. You get Revelation. So a lot of things that we knew from Jedi still come through. It's just in different ways. Yeah. Um, there's some really, really cool art sequences in this last chapter, too. Like, yeah. like there's some of the stuff with, like, the ships in space yeah. and, like, just some cool uh, cool things. Um, the big battle with uh, yeah. Boba Fett, uh, which there's this moment where... So they've beaten Boba Fett. Uh, I think it might be in a, one of these issues. They've beaten Boba Fett and... Uh, Leia has put on his armor to like, drive Slave One. Yeah, it's such a badass. Like yeah. I dug it. I was like, I, I. But then she gets she gets uh, stunned. Yeah, like they use like the the circle. The yeah the Except for stun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. That. Um, it's cool. Lots of stuff goes down. Um, there's this this like dramatic sequence with Han being you know frozen uh, like unfrozen. <laughs> And it's like they make so, so she's so melodramatic about it, Leia. And like I can't talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go over here. Yeah, and, and they drag it out for the remainder of the of the story. It's yeah. just like I can't talk to Han. I can't. I can't look at him. I can't. Like yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's tons of fun stuff throughout here. Uh, you get to see that final sequence on the uh, the new Death Star, whatever Death Star Two. Yeah, um, Justice Star Two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Vader, the Emperor, Luke, but now with Leia as well. So that it's cool. That climactic battle is very similar, but very different. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love that. Okay, so three PO got destroyed. Yep, he's gone in he the first issue. Got blown up. Blown up. So there's no 3PO on, uh, on the moon. Yeah, is it Endor or the moon of Endor? Endor is Forest, the moon. Forest moon. moon. The moon. Yeah. yeah, the moon. And so the Ewoks don't have any connection to yep. any I human. Mean, yeah. So they're just like, we're murder bears against everyone. <laughs> so yeah, well, you even have the rebels on, on uh, the planet. They're talking about how lucky they are that the natives haven't spotted them yet. It's so subtle. It's just like one line about it, but it, yeah. it, it's cool that it's mentioned. And But yeah, the Ewoks still are like, nope, screw this. Yeah. We're taking down the Empire. We're going to eat everything <laughs> and everyone. Uh, so yeah, it, it turns out to be pretty cool. And there's like, this one it was interesting because it's not like, there's not a 
finality to it. Mm-hmm. It sort of sets off like, hey, what if we, like, this was the ending of this chapter, but there could be, I felt like there was so much story potential that you could pull off after this. Well, yeah, because they never, um, they never killed the Emperor. Yeah. Uh, it ends, it ends with an interesting twist to Darth Vader, which yeah. I won't spoil here. You you have to check it out and totally. see it for yourself. But, um, yeah, they don't, it, it, it ends with them not, um, killing the Empire, so it, or the Emperor. So, yeah, they're still chasing him down, technically. They're, yeah. It leaves room for episodes 7, 8, and 9. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so, super cool. Uh, I, I, I dug it. I think the thing that I would have wanted to see is one of them not having a happy ending. Yeah. You know, like, and it, it's fine. They all have a sort of happy ending. Like, yeah. a lot of stuff happens, but... The last one's not as happy as the other ones. Like, the last one's still, like... There's that situation with Han, there's, you know, yeah. 3PO doesn't make it out, and the Emperor's still out there. So, it's not as joyful as the other ones, but I, I agree, like, yeah. they, they all come back on themselves, as I suppose destiny would have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, really good. Tucker, you didn't get to read this, did you? I read, uh... Issue one of A New Hope. Great. Yeah, good job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real good, real yeah. good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but so we've talked a lot about it. Um, I dug it. I hope, I would love to see us do What If Star Wars comics. That'd I don't be know if fine. that, like, there's so much that we'd have to figure out with that. But, like, I love that part of what we do in publishing. Yeah, it's yeah. So cool. Maybe one day. I, I think our focus right now is, you know, the new canon and <laughs> yeah. all the craziness that's coming with that. But it would definitely be fun. And then maybe I could get my Darth Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> what if... People would lose their minds. But in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. We would sell so many copies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the new canon, what's your favorite of the like the new materials outside of what we're publishing? Outside of Marvel? Oh, gosh. I am... Well, first of all, I'm in love with, um, uh, with a new video game. It's so much fun. The uh, Battlefront one? Yeah, Battlefront. Mm. It's so much fun. I've logged way too many hours into that game and of course they, you know, launched Battle of Jakku right before the movie so you get to try that out. And oh, so does that the, tell the actual Battle of Jakku? It tells the actual story. So, you know, when we all saw the first trailer that came out and you see that big Star Destroyer on Jakku and then you just, like, get chills because it's just massive and everything you've ever yeah. wanted already you get to see how that Star Destroyer crashes. You get to make that Star Destroyer crash. It's awesome. It's so much fun. I'll be honest. I played the first three tutorials, Mm -hmm. and then I got sucked into Assassin's Creed, so I never went back Another great game. Yeah, I never went. I haven't gone back yet. It it was like, what was it? Three games right in a row. Assassin's Creed, Fallout, and then... And I started Fallout uh, the other day. And Battlefront, and they all came out right back to back. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah, the 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 one thing that does make me a little sad is there's not a lot of story to Battlefront. It is very you know first person shooter, um, but it's still awesome. You still get to battle Darth Vader, so yeah. it's cool. Um, no, content wise, I love the book Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Okay. It's a YA novel. It spans um, A New Hope through a little bit after Jedi. You do get to see a little bit of that, but you it's. It feels like fan fiction, but in the best way possible. Mm. Like, it's it's just a story that's you can tell is written by someone who loves Star Wars as much as you love Star Wars. And it tells a story about two people who were born on an outer rim planet who all they wanted to do is be pilots. 
Um, and so they joined the Imperial Academy. So you got to see how the Empire oh, trained mm. you to be sympathetic towards them That's and cool. think that they were right. And um, a rift comes between the two when one realizes the Empire isn't all that it's chalked up to be. <laughs> so you have, like, Rebel versus Empire. But it's it's great. You mm. get to see a new side of Star Wars that has never really been explored before. That's great. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, I picked up uh, Greg Rucka's book, his novel. I haven't... I just... He's two. The Han and Chewie one, maybe? That's Smuggler's Run. Yeah, uh, Smuggler's so, Run. So, okay, he actually just had a new one that just came out. Ah. It's called Before the Awakening. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess I know which one Ryan, I'm going to yeah, I was like, Ryan knows what he's reading. Um, so, yeah, he has a Han and Chewie one, which is super fun. Yeah. That, that book's super fun. But his new one that literally just came out um, Friday with the movie is called Before the Awakening. It's a novella. It's three short stories, roughly 40 pages each, each telling the story of Finn, Poe, and Ray right before the movie. Uh-huh. So, if you want that content mm. in between uh, little juicy, juicy stuff, episode six and episode seven, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I took uh, Charles Soule with me to the draft house I for saw. the opening. So yeah. uh, we got to talk in, and you know, he's he had such a great time on Lando's. Yeah, he was really thrilled. And, like we talked with fans and who had never read the comics uh-huh. and who were like. What you did a Lando story yeah. and like really excited about all that stuff. So it was great. It was a huge crowd of people jazzed about Star Wars. What really? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Weird. Yes. Uh, but all right. So we've talked a ton. Let's get to your questions and comments. Up first, Cyber Og says, "Enjoyed the alternate takes. Changing one event sent the known stories in very different directions while using familiar scenes. I'm glad you dug it. Yeah." DJ Fanko says, uh, so Star Wars Infinity is basically a what if of Star Wars, and I, I think you can't go wrong with that. He says, I enjoyed the arc of New Hope. The classic trilogy beats were fun. The bit with Han and the snake was charming. Yeah, there's this. He, <laughs> it was weird. Uh, it was just out of nowhere. Yeah. He's on Dagobah, Han comes to pick up Luke. And Luke's just like, oh, dude, there's a snake. There's a snake. And I was like, I got this. Yeah, he doesn't, I don't think he even looks at it. I think yeah. he just, like, grabs it by the neck, and the snake's, like, all choked out. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not we're not getting uh, Harrison Ford indie no, no. snake no. reference. That would have been the perfect. That would have been. I didn't read it, so when you guys started talking about it, I kind of assumed that's what it. Yeah. Uh, uh, do over. <laughs> so it was. I mean, yeah. it, that means I think it, it was a, a flip of what you would expect from right. there, which yeah. is yeah, it's good. It's charming. Uh, and Don says, and finally, the use of old man Anakin was respectful of the core Star Wars fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Brenner <laughs> says they are good. Talk about the dreams they inspire in all ages. You thinking about being an Agent M Santa Claus? Lawrence, no. <laughs> I did. I did hand out a bunch of like shirts and toys on Friday. Just no. To random now people I, in the now I expect tomorrow in the office you to be dressed as Santa. Like this is a thing that has to happen. Okay, I'm not coming in tomorrow, but sure. <laughs> uh, Penelope Cat says uh, the new selection is 12 issues of Star Wars Infinity. Haven't listened to the podcast yet. Uh, hope we get more than two weeks. Sorry, Penelope Cat. Two weeks was all we had. Uh, I could have extended it, but I wanted to. I wanted to get that Star Wars craziness because I'm deep into it. Uh, Penelope Cat says New Hope One. The opening narration is wordier than I'm used to from Chris Warner. Glad that's just a few pages. <laughs> uh, trying to think of any other point of divergence from the original story that would also work. Maybe if Obi Wan survived. That's an interesting thought. Like, where would you have 
tacked on that like split. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's one of the, I think Obi Wan surviving though would ruin what makes Star Wars what it is. I mean, that was Luke having to let go and follow the path on his own rather than look to someone else. Um, but I, again, that could be another divergence. But then I think it would become more Obi Wan's story than Luke's. And maybe that's that's what it becomes. Yeah. That's an interesting t- thing. You, we were talking before the we recorded earlier today. You came into my office and you were telling me of oh, a what if that you had. Yes, yes, I, I have a what if that uh, what if on Tatooine, um, the Empire got to Luke before uh, Obi Wan did. So what if they were chasing the droids down and they found, you know, them at Luke's and. Luke had said earlier in the movie he wants to apply at the Academy so what if they just took him then? Mm. You know, um, they... Oh, he wanted to apply at the Academy being the Imperial Academy. Yeah. I just, I, for some reason I never thought nope, about that's it. What it. That's assumed, what it is. Wow. We just got a realization of um, <laughs> 38 years in the making? Boom. That's yeah. Right yeah. So that's, that's what it is. Yeah. He was going to apply at the Academy, because that's what Wedge did. Wedge applied at the Academy and then dropped out to join the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Luke didn't know that. That's why he was so shocked to see Wedge there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I just think that would be interesting if the Imperial recruited, the Empire recruited him, and then instead of destroying the Death Star, he's defending it, father and son. Mm. Yeah. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. That's be one of the what ifs that we do. One of them. One day. One day. Uh, And then Penelope says, yes, I did just make up a what if question about a what if story. (laughs) But that brought out a really great bit of conversation. Uh, Penelope Cat says, uh, in A New Hope, number two, Luke and Han are fighting like a couple of Marvel heroes meeting for the first time in the 70s. I like that. Uh, And he says, loving the Leia-Vader dynamic in New Hope, and that Han has more patience with Yoda than Luke does. Yeah, there was that great moment where Han, like, immediately understands that Yoda is actually Yoda, and and Luke's like, I just need to find Yoda, I'm such a whiny little kid. And Han's like, whoa, dude, a con man knows a con man. This is totes Yoda. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Penelope Cat says, the Empire may be evil, but if they can build... AT8 or ADAT proof sidewalks. They're doing something. <laughs> yeah, th- those would have to be very sturdy uh, places. And big. Yeah, wide, Huge. very wide roads. Huge. Or maybe two separate ones and it's like a track that w- there's nothing in the middle. Like, maybe. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how that would work. Uh, he says, almost everything survives. What kind of what if story is that? It's mostly a happy ending. True. Yeah, yeah. I uh, said, this was a fun twist on the classic tale from my youth. I loved how stuff from the other movies was incorporated. Uh, and he goes on to Empire. He says, killing off Luke in the first few pages, that's how you do a what if. Uh, yeah, death and destruction. Uh, he says, in Empire 2, the cover is credited to Tony Harris, but it's clearly, clearly Chris Bashalo. Always nice to see his work. Uh, that happens. Miscredits escape us. Human error. Yeah, totally. Just ask Steve Harvey. Right? There you go. Oh, wow. too soon. Hey, I I got nothing but sympathy for the guy. He, he read handled something it wrong. well. Yeah, he, he handled he, it well. Nah, up to it. You know what? I'm glad it happened. Why? What <laughs> I'm glad it happened. This beef against Steve Harvey. Big. Uh, you know what? We won't go into it now. But I got big beef with Steve Harvey. What? Uh-oh. I'm glad he could crash and burn. This wow. sounds personal. Uh, 
Uh, intern Tucker's views do not ex- uh, are not those of expressed Marvel. by Marvel <laughs> LLC or the Walt Disney Company. Steve Harvey did something terrible to my family when well, I was a young boy. <laughs> I love Steve Harvey. I think he's fun. Um, let's see. Pelvic Cat says, interesting seeing how things play out when Han and Leia get to Lando before Vader and Boba Fett. Of course, it wouldn't be a true what-if story or infinities, whatever, if things didn't go horribly wrong. Disastrously wrong. Disastrously wrong. He says he, he loved the twist on Boba Fett's fate and Lando's new desk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I joke about what ifs always ending in tragedy, but that's not always the case. Some Marvel ones end up happy. Yeah, but I like the ones that are more horrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, I think because so many Marvel heroes are steeped in tragedy, it allows the what if stories to give them a happy ending for once. Mm, that's that's an point. interesting point. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, based on the cover to Empire 4, I want to see a Chris Bashalo Darth Vader fill-in now. Well, I, I can't I can't do it now. I mean, he's he's busy on Doctor Strange. Very busy on Doctor Strange. Very busy, but maybe one day. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Penelope Cat, it looks like we didn't get to you uh, to, to for your finish of all the stories, but he says, for Jedi, love how a small change has huge ramifications in the first issue of Return of the Jedi. Very true. Um, all right. I dug it. I'm glad we did this one. And thank you, Heather, for yeah, joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm always, always game to talk Star Wars. Terrific. Um, next pick is going to be Starbrand, the original New Universe mm-hmm. Starbrand, because I've never read it. It's got Johnny Romita Jr. art, which is always a pleasure. Can't go wrong. No. And we have seven issues on Marvel Unlimited. I don't know if that's the whole run. Ben would know. <laughs> ben is giant encyclopedic brain for all things. Um, but we're going to read those first six or seven issues and uh, talk about it in two weeks. First of the year. Should be fun. Ben has a giant encyclopedic mind for all things except Star Wars. This is true. <laughs> Which is why it's uh, it's kind of a convenient week, I guess. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know anything about <laughs> Well, he's learning. He, he is. Learned. It's interesting watching has he someone... Has seen the movies? He had, but he never had any affinity for them. Okay. So it's been interesting seeing someone who's no connection. Mm-hmm come to a different place with them through our books really because yeah. like re- he's just been reading and talking about them and getting excited and learning like clicking with them that's which awesome is cool. yeah, yeah. It's really neat. uh tucker this is your last time with us i thought last time was your last time but this is your last yeah, time. yeah i think we all did i think yeah. the listeners will be very displeased to to hear my voice again uh, but uh, I, I can assure them that they won't have to deal with. I mean, it that anymore. can be edited out, right? Long lengths of silence. Long lengths of silence, and then Ryan going, oh, "I don't know. I like Steve Harvey." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, anything you want to say before we go? I just want to say thanks, man. It's been a great run. It's been uh, a real delight to be here. And and for any listeners who've always been wondering what's what it's been, what it's like to be in the Marvel offices, I, being a temporary employee, can give you an honest answer. Um, it, that it's incredible. It's been everything I dreamed it might be, and uh, uh, it's been a real pliver- uh, privilege. So thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> good job and good luck. And uh, Thank happy you. holidays to everyone. Yay. May the force be with you. Yeah. <laughs> this is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>